A successful season just ended, but Miami's future hangs in the balance in what many expect will be a busy summer. Will they pursue other free agents, and will they be able to re-sign their own? What financial restrictions will be in place, and what does this team even need if they want to bring a championship team to Miami? We answer five burning questions on today's Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg here with David Mill. However, you might be tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Well, David, it's the first day of the Miami Heat's offseason, the draft less than two weeks away. Free agency begins at the end of the month, and we have a ton to get to, including a look at the futures of Gabe Vincent and Max Struess, what stars the Heat could target this summer. We're going to do this the best way we know how with five burning questions. So let's jump right in with one that could set the stage for what uh, the, rest of, uh, the rest of what we're going to try to get to here. Mm-hmm. Simple question. Or the Miami Heat good enough to win a championship next season? Uh, yes, I think so. I think this proved that they can. I think they were missing some key components there, certainly. Um, you know, and, and it's hard to replicate. And, of course, there's going to be factors beyond Miami's control that they can't potentially foresee. You know, other teams will be looking to make improvements, too. Milwaukee, Boston, et cetera, those will theoretically get better and will try to provide more – uh, durable obstacles in Miami's path to repeating as Eastern Conference champion and going beyond that. And, you know, it's not like Denver is going anywhere either. Of course, Phoenix is going to be improved. So teams are going to make improvements. It, it, that's Beyond that, Miami has to be able to continue to build off this team's success. And, and you know, we kind of hinted at this yesterday. Would Tyler Hero have provided a better chance for Miami to knock off Denver? Yes. Would it have been enough? It's hard to say. Probably not. Uh, but, you know, we don't know even if, if if had Tyler remained healthy throughout Miami's playoff run, would they have been able to duplicate the actual success they had? I know some people have questioned it. I've questioned it because just by nature of the fact that he controls the ball as often as he does, Miami's free-flowing offense would not have looked the same with Tyler out there. It's not a knock on Tyler. He provides a valuable skill in terms of being able to get you a bucket, but he changes the complexity of Miami's offense. That's not even to say what he does on defense, where he has shown improvement. I don't know that it would necessarily have been the kind of staunch defense that we saw against the Knicks, the Celtics, et cetera, especially in clutch time situations. So I think they would have been able to win a championship had everybody been healthy. And yet going into next season, if they retain this roster, let's just assume they take this exact group, move it forward next year, and are able to Run somehow duplicate. 3.0. Yeah, run it back 3.0. Would that be enough to win a championship? Yes, but at the same time, that's not knowing what 29 other teams are doing to improve their own respective rosters. That's the key there. Look, I, I think if a team makes the finals, generally you would come away and say, that team has a chance to win the championship next year. They just had a chance to win the championship, and the Heat did have a chance to win the championship this last season. They were in the finals, right? They had a chance. Um, Jimmy Butler's injury was an issue. Tyler Hero's injury was a factor. Um, But this team just always gets hurt at the end. This this team tends to have a ceiling. Three of the last four years – on the doorstep of a championship, 
And every single time, injuries, wear and tear is what kind of did them in. And that's that, that I don't mean to take anything away from the Denver Nuggets, the Lakers, or even the Celtics last year in the conference finals, all deserving to do what it is and accomplish what it is that they accomplished. This team can't win a championship next year if it is run it back 3.0. If you just copy and paste this roster into next season, because other teams are going to get better. The Denver Nuggets are only going to get better. I think the Celtics are only going to get better. The Sixers just hired a new coach. I think that the, the East is going to be stronger next year. Milwaukee is not going to flame out in the first round like they did in this playoffs to the Miami Heat. You can expect better from the Milwaukee Bucks next season. This team is not good enough to win a championship. And I say that with a pretty substantial sample size of being close, but not close enough. Good, but not good enough. And I think we have enough of a sample here to say, if this team is just a little bit older, Jimmy Butler is another year older, Kyle Lowry another year older, we have no idea if you're going to even be able to bring back Gabe Vincent and Max Drews, which we're going to get to here in a second. Um, yeah, sure, maybe Tyler Hero is better next year. Bam Adebayo is better next year. But I think you're missing some key components on this roster in terms of scoring, in terms of size, and things just that make it easier for the rest of these guys who are on the roster. I think you need to add some things. You need to supplement this group because – if you're not getting better, you're getting worse in the NBA. Everybody else around you is getting better. And we've seen the internal improvement gambit once, right? That was the that was the bet this year is that internal improvement can get the team over the hump. And to some degree, it did. This team was improved from a year ago, right? They got from conference finals to NBA finals. But I think that's about as far as this group can go. And so if I'm the Miami Heat's front office, I'm looking at this and saying, hey, this is a really good starting point. Right, We've accomplished a lot in four years together with Jimmy Butler and this basic group. But we need to add to it, and I think the pressure is on to add to it now. We're going to get into why necessarily because of the financial implications and the new CBA and all of that stuff. But this is it, man. And, and if, if I'm the Heat front office, and, I'm, and, and the reason we bring this question up first is I think this is the question that the front office has to ask itself. Are we good enough? And if the answer is no, how far away are we? I think this front office has to do everything it can in its power to add to this roster and in just improve its odds mm -hmm. to be a championship contender next year. But what if the answer is yes? And I think it is. I mean, I, I just said so. At the same time, you look at the fluky nature of Tyler's injury, and, and outside of that, like he's the youngest player of the roster. Like you're, you're making it seem like injury is an ever-growing specter that hangs over this over this team, and the only player that was. The only player that was injured, I mean Jimmy, yes, but yeah. that's that's gonna that's gonna be the norm. But Tyler's injury yeah. was a fluke, and he's the youngest player on this, or one of the youngest players on this roster. So like Bam's injury, you know, again another young player on this roster. It's not to say like I don't think this this team is injury ridden or anything like that. It's just a lot of really? people seem to because they got hurt in the 2020 bubble. They got hurt last year in the was, conference was, finals. Was, they got hurt this year. Like they got hurt every year. Those are fluky injuries. Again, Goran Dragic was hurt. A lot of Bam flukes. got hurt. Yeah, it's a lot of flukes. I, I, I don't point, know that it sort of is what it is, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that perspective. I, I mean, I know the injuries have been a factor, and at the same time, I'm just not going to look at this roster and say that injuries will always be a factor. I mean, last year was Kyle Lowry. This year, it wasn't Kyle Lowry. This year was Tyler, and I know it was last year Tyler as well. But I don't know that Tyler could have done anything other than, hey, stupid, don't dive on the floor. Like, I mean, who, which time traveler, you know, either Marty McFly or, or Bruce Willis and Looper is going to come back and warn Tyler, don't break your hand. They're going to go to the NBA Finals. We need I you think, to do this. The Great Tyler Scott, injury you know? is fluky. 
But yeah. the, I look at the Jimmy Butler one, for instance. He's got to play so many minutes, and the Kyle Lowry one from the year before, and Bam and Dragic. Yeah, they're fluky, but also every single one of these players is asked to do so much because the top-end talent just really isn't there, and really the depth sometimes isn't always there, depending on if the, your role players are stepping up or not, that these players are just asked to do so much. They're undersized. They, they have to be more physical. They have to play bigger than their body sometimes, and that just wears on a group after a while. So I agree with you that the Tyler Hero injury was a fluke, but this team in general, just it, it's only getting older, and they're asked to do a lot, and I just think that when you're – you're, you're just kind of playing with fire a little bit with the way that the roster is assembled. Mm. So, um, look, let's say that the Heat front office comes away from this playoff run and says, you know what, I think we are good enough to win a championship. Should that still be in the way of them making bigger moves this offseason? Are you asking that right now? I'm asking, no, I'm asking, yeah, just quickly. I'm asking, it's not like, you know. If they, if they, um, no, I, I think you always try to swing for the fences. That last year, I think they were both content, but also looking for something always. So, you know, every team should be looking for a way to improve. Yeah, they I were mean, involved we, in Durant, Mitchell, et cetera. Kyrie Irving, apparently, you know, according to yeah. Sham Sharanya, that the Heat were heavily interested in acquiring him at the trade deadline. So I, I don't know how that would have worked out if that would have made a difference in this year's playoff run. Uh, probably would have made, made a difference. Made I don't know if it would have been better or worse, but it would have made it right. It would have right. definitely would have been different. Yeah, I don't know um, right. the advantage. Um, well, coming up, should the Heat prioritize bringing back their own free agents? Gabe mm. Vincent, Max Struess, what do their futures look like? We take a look at Miami's own free agents and financial situation next. But first, David, tell listeners about our sponsor. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. You just pick two to six players, and if they go score more or less in their prize picks projections, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. It's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections. And prize picks offers projections in any sport that you watch, including the NFL, Major League Baseball, NHL, Go Cats, men's and women's college sports, European sports, cricket, boxing, you name it. Price Picks has you covered. So download the Price Picks app or go to pricepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals. And they're currently operational in over 30 states in Canada. First time users get a 100% instant deposit match of up to $100, but only if you use the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Price Picks gives you $100 to work with. So don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match of up to $100 by downloading the Price Picks app or going to Price Picks com today thanks for making lockdown heat your first listen every day every dayers we are still here every day throughout the offseason talking about the draft free agency trades and more so subscribe for all the latest on the miami heat we'll be back tomorrow with our top stars at the heat should target in a trade five burning questions we're going to talk about what stars the heat can target in a minute but first our second burning question what's our financial situation for the Miami Heat. Can we save some money, right? I think that's another question that this front office has to be asking themselves. The financial situation. I I, I did some, some research on this, David. I'm just going to try to lay this out. It's never fun to talk about the CBA and the salary cap. It's not, but, but we got to do it here, and I'm going to try to make it as simple as possible, all right? So the Miami Heat, with nine players under contract right now, have $173 million in payroll, okay? That's $11 million over the first luxury tax apron. So they are deep in the luxury tax already. They're $6 million away from that second luxury tax apron. So so I'm just going to assume that they're going to be over that second tax apron because they only have nine players under contract, $6 million away. They're probably going to be nudging up or they're, they're going to be past that 
barring any other sort of major moves, which we'll talk about. So if they're beyond that second apron, that means that they're not going to have the $5 million mid-level exception available to them. And they're not going to be allowed in season to pick up players off the buyout market the way that they did with Kevin Love this past season. So those are the new restrictions under the new CBA that if you're our listeners may have heard about at this point. So that's, that's the bare bones of that. Um, if you start to look forward, right, 2024, 2025, we start to layer in some of the new CBA rules and restrictions. And at that point, if you're over the second apron, you're not allowed to aggregate salaries in a trade. And you have certain restrictions on future picks that you're able to trade. Okay. So the Heat are projected to be over that second apron this year and next year which gives them basically a one-year window to aggregate salaries and do all those things and trade future picks. So that means that this kind of has to be the summer that the Heat are most aggressive, okay? I lay that all out because that those, those facts, that information is going to influence everything we talk about from here on out on the podcast. So I thought it was important to talk about that now. Um, so given that, that's the financial situation. Um, there's some other things that they can do. Victor Oladipo player option, nine and a half million dollars. I'm going to assume he's going to opt in given that he just suffered another season ending leg injury. They can wave and stretch him potentially and save $6 million this year and then kind of go on and pay him three plus million dollars for each of the next three seasons. So that's something that they can do if they're trying to save money. Um, can they dump Kyle Lowry? Can they dump Duncan, Duncan Robinson? I think those are other things that could be on the table for them, not because Kyle Lowry and Duncan Robinson aren't good players or we're not huge players in this playoff run, but because they're so expensive. Kyle Lowry, $29 million next season. Duncan Robinson, $19 million next season. If you can give, if you can kind of salary dump them to into another team's cap space, that would that would help a lot, kind of relieve some of these concerns. I don't know that the Heat are going to do that, but to answer the question. That's the financial situation. That's the way they could save some money if they want to do that. What to you is most interesting in that entire thing, David? Uh, just that Miami's screwed uh, and they're <laughs> going to get screwed even more. Um, the, the whole conversation, I like. I, I'm not naive enough to think that it doesn't, you know, make a is in a factor in how the team building process works. But at the same time, I'm also aware, self-aware enough to know that I don't understand the cap rules enough and what machinations might be available to Andy Ellisberg at all uh, to try and work some magic. And at the same time, I also don't necessarily care if Mickey Harrison has to pay extra amounts of money. Uh, I know Mickey probably cares about that. I'm sure that's the mandate handed down to the front office. So, I look, I, I, I would... I would assume, and this is, and I said this last season, and it proved to be prescient, and I will say it again. I don't think the home run swing is going to happen. I think they're going to make smaller moves, and maybe that's a conversation for a different time. But knowing this information and having it laid out the way you just did, it does not seem likely that they're going to be making that swing, uh, even if it was available. You know, I, I'd love to be able to encourage Heat fans, even after a great you- playoff run. And say, yeah, Dame's next. He's on his way, et cetera. I just, I don't see that happening. Um, and Do you say that it. because you think that that big swing would add more payroll? Is that, is that kind of why you're saying that? I, I think that's certainly part of it. Uh, I also think again that there are restrictions from Miami's perspective about what they can offer, uh, in contrast to what other teams can offer too. So it's not Miami doesn't have. Well, those, the, those. Um, I'm sorry. Those things that they can offer are not 
restrictions this summer. That's next summer. Uh, the, but I'm oh, I'm saying the what they can offer in terms of value of their oh oh I see I thought you meant picks, I thought you assets, about the CBA. Yeah. I thought you they can't outbid teams. other teams and at the right. same time they're also screwed by whatever restrictions are in place this season and what is restrictions what even more restrictions will be in place the following season so yeah I, I think there are limitations um, and I think you're kind of moving forward with the roster you have now more than anything else which isn't to say that changes can't take place and won't be made but right. they just won't be the major swing that everybody is hoping for. So I actually am going to go. I, I'm going to go the other way. I, I'm not going to. Oh, I know you say, will. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm no. Not I, I know you. Th you think that they're going to go for the home run swing? You I think, think I'm not going to sit here and letters. predict that it's going to happen? Nobody knows that. But I think because of what every all of what I just laid out, given that this yeah. is the only summer the Heat have to make that home run swing, right? For instance, you can't aggregate salaries next summer. So what does that mean exactly? All right, let's say you want to go out and trade for Damian Lillard. Well, right now you can put Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson's contract together, for instance, right. and trade those two players together for Damian Lillard. You could do that this summer. You can't do that next summer if you're still over that second tax apron, which again, all these projections have the heat over that second cap next summer because you've got Bam, Tyler, Jimmy, all, all with extensions kicking in. So um, that to me serves as... It, the, what I disagree with you is if if this if the home run swing is available to the Heat, I think they take it. I don't know that it's available. Like for if the Trailblazers or the Wizards with Bradley Beal are like, sure, hey, sure. yeah, that package is good enough for us. Do you, should we call the league office? I I think the Heat would do it. I understanding that yeah, if Kyle Lowry is in, included in that deal, who's on an expiring contract, this is adding salary in future years, right? Damian Lillard, Bradley, these are expensive players, two, three, four years from now. But given that this is the only window for the Heat to do it, and the alternative is we're a really expensive team that isn't good enough, so let's just blow it up, yeah. I think they would do the first thing. I think they would go for the superstar. So um, we'll see, I, we may or may not see what happens. Who knows? Like I said, nobody's predicting anything. But I do think that the, these – I think that the CBA and the, some of the new restrictions and the financial implications here I think are going to motivate Miami to act sooner rather than later. Force their hand, so to speak. To go to, to make a superstar swing. And again, we'll see what happens if that superstar swing isn't available to them. But if it is, I expect them to, to swing at the ball. I expect them to try for it. Um, let's go to our second burning question here. He's on fire. Are we going to bring back our own free agents? It's another question the front office has to ask itself. So Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, unrestricted free agents. Miami has their bird rights so that you can pay them whatever it is that they want to pay. They can go over the cap, which they are already over the cap, so no restrictions in bringing back Gabe and Max if they want to do that. Uh, Kevin Love is an unrestricted free agent. Cody Zeller, unrestricted. Omi Yurtsevin is a restricted free agent. And then uh, Victor Oladipo has that player option that we talked about earlier. We expect him to opt back into that. So... Um, look, I think Kevin Love, you could pay him $3.8 million with his non-bird rights. That's the max that Miami is allowed to pay Kevin Love. I don't think he's going to get that from any other team. I don't even know that Miami will offer that. We'll yeah. see. I think that they, I think that that's something that could play out for a little bit and just sort of see how else the offseason shakes out before you make a decision on Kevin Love. Cody Zeller kind of ditto. I don't know. Like, do you want to bring him back as sort of a minute on a veteran minimum as a backup center? That could be mm -hmm. something. But that's the less interesting thing here. Gabe Vincent so, and Max yeah. Strews. That's the interesting thing here. What do you think? So if I had to go down the line, yeah, love back at a veteran minimum just because they paid Something him a lot more money than they could have paid any than anybody else could have paid him this season, and they did. So that's kind of like a, a promissory note. It's like, hey, we pay you this year. You'll take less next year. You'll be the UD. You'll be the voice in the locker room. You oh. provided that energy. You provide that leadership. 
I think he's back next season. Zeller's gone, and I it's not a knock on Cody. Great personality, great to talk to, and like having him in the locker room. At the same time, not effective enough, and I think you've already got Omer Yurtseven on, you know, again, I think he's the only reason why – the only reason why you brought in Zeller in the first place was your seven was hurt and mm. incorporating him back into the lineup wasn't going to be uh, realistic at that point in time. So you needed somebody with a little bit more veteran experience for that. Yeah, playoff. I agree but, with you. I think they're going to bring back one or the other. I don't think it'll be both. Right. Uh, so that knocks out three of those. Uh, other than that, Victor Oladipo, obviously he's going to take the money when he yes. can. He's hurt. So that seems to make a lot of sense. Uh, the, the interesting two here, uh, it's goodbye, Gabe and Sayonara Struis. Uh, they're gone. Um, I think the playoff push, despite Struis's issues in the finals, I, I think he still showed enough value over the course of the last two seasons as a starter for a team that made it to the Eastern Conference Finals and made it to the NBA Finals. He does shoot the ball well. He does do some other things well. He can contribute. He does have that championship experience. Somebody's going to offer him more money. And given what Miami's restrictions are and what we just talked about, if they're going to be trying to pull whatever money they can to acquire a superstar, they're going to have to fill out the rest of the roster with cheaper alternatives than Max Struess and Gabe Vincent. Both of those players, unfortunately, are gone. So, like I said, they have their bird rights, so they can match any outside offers. If the Sacramento Kings come in, I'm just I'm naming a random no, team. No, I get it. And and, yeah. and and offer Gabe Vincent twelve million dollars. He can offer Gabe Vincent twelve million. Wasn't he with their? Uh, Summer league team. I'm sorry. Yeah, maybe that's why the uh, he was, and he uh, he was he played for Mike Brown with Team Nigeria as well. But um, Uh, maybe that's maybe that I really wasn't thinking uh, about that. But yeah, you're recording Uh, Gabe Vincent to the Kings. I mean, no, they have De'Aaron Fox. They're not going to spend twelve million dollars on a backup point guard. But uh, I don't think I. I'm going to stop talking about the Sacramento Kings. Like I have any sort of information on what is, what the Sacramento Kings Kings insider West. I mean, you come. (laughs) You used to go to the Golden One Center all the time. What are you talking about? All I know is that they have the best oatmeal raisin cookies at Golden One Center. That is much Sacramento information as I have. Um, Gabe Vincent and Max Drew. So this is from ESPN's Bobby Marks. He basically threw out a round number of $10 million for each of them if Miami were to bring them back. When you consider the luxury tax part of that, the multiplier, right? That would cost Miami $70 million in luxury tax to bring back Gabe and Max at $10 million apiece. I, I would agree that that seems outrageous and probably no way of that happening, especially if you still have Duncan Robinson and Kyle Lowry. That to me is, it's all related, right? Like if you already have Lowry paying and you're paying him $30 million, are you really going to pay the point guard room $40 million minimum plus like all the extra multipliers on the luxury tax, right? I don't think you would not for somebody that not for, not for a player that is not elite, you know, and as much as we love Kyle and Gabe, none, I wouldn't, None of them are elite point guards. And for Max Struess, I think if you have Duncan Robinson, do you want to kind of double down on those shooters who kind of are interchangeable but also a little redundant in terms of roles? Yeah. I don't think you want to do that. I don't think you want to pay Max, let's call it $10 million, and 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 Duncan $19 million. So that's $29, $30 million between the two of them. I don't think you want to do that. So I, I think it's all related. Do you Are you able to trade Kyle and Duncan for something else? Do you, does that mean then you now have a need for Gabe and Max Struess? I'm not going to try to predict whether or not they're going to bring one of those guys back. I think that Gabe and Max would like to come back to Miami, right? Oh, and so I, I think that there might... this is their best chance of doing so. Absolutely. Like, so I think they could be patient. I think they could be patient and try to play out the market. But at the same time, if there's somebody out there being like, hey, we're going to give you $13 million, I wouldn't blame them for not being patient and saying, you know what? Well, well <laughs> thanks. Yeah, give it. 
Yeah, given the, the CBA changes, given the CBA restrictions, though, aren't there less likely to be any kind of suitors in a year from now? Like, this is their best opportunity to take what money is available yeah. and being offered to them and run. Yeah, so I mean, and they're also free agents now, and they're just, yeah, and they just tell, yeah. but they could take a one. And, they were starters on an NBA finals team, so this is the they time could take a one plus one theoretically. If like no. the next year was going to be like a huge cap boom or something like that, they could take a one plus one. They're right. not going to do that. They, they're no, going to maximize your earning potential right now, and they and they absolutely should. What do, you, a, what do you think? What do you think will they'll they'll command in the free agent market? Four for thirty two. You know? Yeah, I think like ten to twelve a year. You know, I think twelve I, a year. Yeah, I just think that you know beyond Miami's ability to match. No, they have the ability to match. No, beyond no, on their will to match, maybe, but they have yeah. the ability to match. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, again, because I mean, you could say no, if you're they can match everything and pay a ton of money, sure. Yeah, no, and that's the thing is like you could say, well, we're already going to be over the second tax apron anyway, so what's the difference? The difference is a lot of money, but in terms of like restrictions on the roster, mm-hmm. might as well do it now, right? Because we're not going to be able to do it a year from now. So that would like if you were ever motivated ever, Mickey Harrison, to spend money, this is kind of the only year you could do it, right? So I guess you that could, could theoretically you could sign them and then trade them the following offseason, yeah. knowing that. And then you're maintaining those cap slots and all those, and that kind of from a roster building con- uh, perspective comes into play. So Kelly you could kind of look at it both ways here, sure. uh, but again, it just it depends on what else happens because I don't think that there's an appetite to bring them back on this roster. If you're going to run it back, I don't think there's an appetite to do that. I think you're bringing back Gabe and Max if there's big changes on this roster. And that's what we're going to talk about next coming up. What is the Heat's biggest team need? Which stars could the Heat target this summer? This is Locked on Heat. Thanks for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Every day as we are still here every day throughout the offseason talking about the draft, free agency, trades, and more. So subscribe for all the latest on the Miami Heat. We will be back tomorrow, but we are here today answering five burning questions. Our next one here, what are the non-star team needs for the Miami Heat? So beyond the stars, we're going to talk about that here in a second, but just in general, what are the team needs for this group after what you saw this season in this finals run? Oh, um, you can always use an extra wing defender. And I think despite the fact that uh, Caleb exceeded whatever expectations fans had of him, I think you would always want somebody else just to supplement that core again, to take some of the pressure off of Jimmy Butler, particularly during the regular season. Maybe that person's Jamal Kane. They might already have him on the roster. Uh, Victor Oladipo is not going to play for most of the next season. So I don't think that's likely to happen anyway. And if, yeah, you've got Highsmith, uh, Max, favorite. again, likely gone. I mean, yeah, you've got options, but uh, you also want to supplement. You can't just go into camp with three, can four make, wing players. Can I make one note on Highsmith that we brought him up? I, I forgot. About, he, his contract is non-guaranteed. You just want to trash him again. I, no, no, I mean, I'm just saying it? his contract is non-guaranteed. So there's a decision that the Heat have to make at the end of this month on Haywood Highsmith. My sense is that they're going to bring him back because he's not making a lot of money. But I sure. just it, it is just something that is on the to-do list for the for the Heat's front office. Um, I'm with you. Look, every team is looking for wing defenders. I would add a wing defender that can make open shots. I, sure. I think that if you're the Heat, you're building around Jimmy and Bam. Whoever you bring in has to be able to space the floor for them. Like, there's no room for non-shooters anymore. Like, once you build around Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, you are out of the non-shooter business. Like, nobody who can't make a three is on your list of free agents they're not on the board you can't they're not on your draft board they're not on your star acquisition board they're not on the free agent board you can't do it 
maybe you can bring them into your G League affiliate and maybe work some sure. Max Truce magic and, and Caleb Martin magic. But in terms of what we're looking for in terms in immediate contributors, they're not on your board. So yeah, low level three and D players. And this is, yeah, and then I would say um, size in the front court. If if for we sure. learned anything from this NBA Finals, they need some size in the front court. Maybe that maybe that looks like bringing back Kevin Love. Maybe it looks like bringing back Kevin Love and maybe adding something else via free agency yes. or trade, whatever it is. They did okay. not have enough size this season. They need to find more size coming up. Nikola Jovic, obviously, in his second year, maybe he could be a factor. Um, I, I think that there's an awareness, in other words. The Heat, the Heat knew they had to add size at the buyout market. That's why they bypassed perimeter players and added two front court players in Kevin Love and Cody Zeller. So I think they're going to continue to search and find the right guys to pair next to Bam Adebayo, to back up Bam and all these things, and just try to add more size and strength and athleticism. And and, and maybe this is somewhat uh, obvious, but you got to bring in a point guard too. You're you're going to lose Gabe probably, um, and again Victor Oladipo uh, missing most of next season. Um, given you know Tyler is going to be taking on that responsibility. Who knows what's going to going on with Jimmy and whatever health conditions he might have next season as well. So uh, if you want to rest him during parts of the regular season to prepare him and preserve him for next season's mm. postseason, then you're going to need somebody else to take on some of those scoring, ball handling duties, and I think that's another area of need. So basically you're looking at overall just general improvements across the board. I don't know <laughs> if everything. Wanna, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's worth ranking them in terms of like areas of priority. Whoever is available and whoever has interest in Miami and vice versa, they'll likely add if they can. You know, that's that's – that's just the nature of today's NBA. You're I mean, ideally, ball you handler. would find a player that can kind of do all these things, who is big and can shoot the ball, right? And can bring the ball up, sure. I mean, and maybe LeBron yeah. James. There's been there's been some talk, you know. I just there has been there has been. I, just, I don't yeah, know how team needs LeBron James. Go bring him back. Um, Chris Paul. I mean, he's out there. We're going to talk about stars here in a second. Um, and if we want to rank them, I would say. Size is the main thing to me. Just and, and and athleticism, just like big athletic basketball <laughs> players. Like just go find that. Yeah. This that's to me what doesn't exist on this heat roster right now. The shooting, you could bring back Struess, you could bring back Gabe, you could bring back Duncan. Like there's there's sort of like ready in-house ways to to have that shooting more than there is to have that size. That was like the biggest void on this year. And I think you're right about the scoring, too. I think that's a huge need for this team, especially when you talk about kind of easing the load on guys like Jimmy and Bam in the regular season. I think that could be really important. Maybe this is still too fresh of a wound here, but uh, is there somebody perhaps like an Aaron Gordon that's a salvageable, talented, mm. athletic? You know answer to this. Uh, no. Who, who do you have in mind, Wes? Is it Rui John Hachimura? Oh, okay. I oh, know yeah. I love Rui Hachimura, but it sounds I thought like it was Rui. Him back. No, okay. I, I, I you know, I was pining for Rui Hachimura before the deadline, and I turned out to be right on that. I'm a pretty good talent evaluator. Um, if you do say so yourself. <laughs> I am. Hey, there's things I'm not good at in terms of talent evaluation. I think I have a pretty good feel for it. I'm not saying I'm batting a thousand here. I would take I would take a <laughs> flyer on John Collins if he's available. I really would. Um, I, I think that kind of that kind of caps off. Well, okay, I get theoretically. Oh, yeah, let's just let's have a free flowing conversation. If you can add John Collins somehow and add Dame Lillard to the mix, is that enough for this team to be a championship contender? Yeah, this is, what stars do we think the Heat could target? So that's our fifth question. Oh, um, oh. If you add Damian Lillard, yes, like and then whatever, just whatever, say anything else after that. If you add Damian Lillard to this group with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, 
I believe that that is a trio capable of making it back to the NBA Finals. No doubt about it. There's other players I think that could be uh, my problem with Damian Lillard and John Collins is I have some defensive questions. But like we saw when the Warriors got Andrew Wiggins, they just bet on his talent. And when the Denver Nuggets got Aaron Gordon, they bet on his talent and talent, athleticism and all these things. They were not good defenders where they were before and became good defenders when they were with good cultures and championship caliber teams and championship caliber teammates. I think the same could be done for John Collins. I, 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 I would not give up on John Collins. Now, a lot of people have disagreed with me on this, and I'm, I don't want to do a whole John Collins thing, but we have. That is, if you're talking about buying low on a player after you kind of spend what it is that you have, to, John Collins is not the answer. But if you spend whatever you need to spend to go get a Beal or a Lillard or like a, a superstar like a Lillard, that's going to cost a lot, presumably. Then you might have to buy low on filling out the rest in order to fill out the rest of the roster with talent with, with high level talent to upgrade the talent level of this group. And I would buy low on John Collins if I were the Heat or any other team that that felt like they could kind of incorporate him into more of a winning culture because we know Atlanta has been a mess the last few years. Yes. I would buy low on John Collins. I would bet on that athletic. He can shoot the ball like crazy. He's super athletic. He would be an incredible lob threat on that short roll for Bam or for Jimmy, which would completely open up Miami's offense. They don't have anything close to that right now. Yeah. Um, it yeah, would have been useful in the, in the, against the Denver Nuggets. So, yeah, yeah I would go with John line. Collins. I, I think he's a little expensive, um, but, you know, I, I that's not yeah, that's the, the type of move, yeah, that I see Miami – yeah, maybe making. I I don't know. I even earlier today I was thinking to myself. You know, somehow with Toronto's likely uh, rebuilding going on there, I still think that maybe Siakam or Anunoby. Oh, dream. I, I I think that's those are the more likely scenarios. And I could even see them again trading. If you're going to lose Van Vliet, you're going to need a point guard. Make Kyle happy. Make Toronto happy. I'm sure. Darko uh, Rajakovic. I'm, I'm probably butchering that pronunciation there, but I the think he coach. is the new head coach of the Toronto Raptors. I'm sure he would love an experienced point guard to help implement whatever vision he has to help guide whatever young players they have on that roster already. And it would be a great reunion for Kyle and for Raptors fans. Um, so it would be Lowry. I looked at this in the trade machine. Lowry, another small contract, basically gets you to the Siakam contract. Um so it would be Lowry and a pick probably for Siakam. Two picks. I don't I don't know what Siakam it'd probably be a couple of picks. Pascal Siakam probably. is an all NBA probably. level player. But I, but I think you know, we, we talked about this before, and, and you have to keep these things in mind. It's like the, the relationships between these general managers and the people who make these decisions and have these kinds of conversations, it didn't just start today. You know, it wasn't like, oh, we were watching the NBA Finals, so we couldn't talk. It's been happening for months. Sure. And you have to look at the past relationships and connections. And, and Masai Uhiri and, and Pat Riley have negotiated in the past. I think, you know, Sean Marks in Brooklyn and another person that they've had conversations with these existing trade partners that Miami has worked with in the past, more than likely to be the trade partners for the team in the future. It's just the nature of, of these kind of negotiations and relationships. You make a phone call, you say, oh, how yeah. are the kids, et cetera, how are the grandkids in Pat's case, uh, you know, oh, well, you know, we, we want to do this. And it's like, oh, OK, well, that's not going to happen. And it's back and forth for another month or so. And next thing you know, they finally pull the trigger on it. Yeah, I, I I don't disagree with you. And that said, it doesn't mean that teams that the Heat have not traded with before are off the table either. But it's it's a good not. point. And, and to your point, the the Heat have negotiated with Raptors 
Uh, Portland and, has and gone Portland. through some changes. I don't know that they've made. Did they have they is made Neil a trade there? there? No. Yeah, yeah, in the past. For a while. Yeah, he has there. Okay, so I, that's that's a new front office there. Houston's another team with Raphael Stone. That again, there's an existing relationship there. But Portland in the past, uh, you know, Myers Leonard for Hassan Whiteside a couple seasons ago. So I mean, yeah. there's existing relationships there. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Yeah, no, but I no, I, I think that it's all good. It, it's all like it's all worth considering here and, and you do have to think about who it is that the heat have been talking to over the last few years i think at the end of the day like the driving force is going to be what player are we acquiring here and so when we talk about star players we've talked about damian lillard we've mm-hmm. talked about bradley beal those to me and pascal siakam is, is is another player that i think look we don't know that toronto has made him available he has not yet they have not yet made him publicly available but if that were to happen there would be a bidding war for Pascal Siakam, I think it would take at least a couple of picks yep. in order to get Pascal Siakam. So we're talking about expensive do do players. Uh, I don't know. It depends on what the rest of the deal looks like. And, and uh, I, if the only thing I'm doing is Pascal Siakam, probably not. I don't think that that makes enough of a difference for my Lowry and picks for Siakam isn't enough? I, I don't know that it's enough. for. I have no idea if it's enough for Toronto. If that were the option for Miami, yeah. I would be trying to make sure I find that other scorer first okay. Siakam is like a 28 point per game score. like not 28 that's a lot like 25 probably he's a great player he would obviously he make also, better that, that usage not, rate is not gonna maintain in Miami like he's not gonna be I, the player that they go to the no I think they, they and they need a guard they need a guy who could space the floor you know what I mean yes. like they need a three-point shooter and that's why my top priority would be Lillard and Beal and to me Siakam would be like a second guy to get after you get that guard or a guy like John Collins would be a second guy to get can I throw um you mentioned Kyrie, the Shamstrania report. Um, I've heard that the Heat were kind of split on the Kyrie Irving topic at the trade Dude. deadline. I don't think that that's that. First of all, forget it. It's not going to happen. Kyrie's a free agent. The Heat don't have cap space for Kyrie Irving. The only way to acquire Kyrie Irving would be via sign and trade. And because Good. the Heat are up against that second uh, cap apron and this whole thing that we've been talking about in terms of CBA, they can't make a sign and trade deal. They're not allowed to. So Kyrie Irving's not coming to Miami. It's not happening. So forget all the rumors that you heard about. It's ridiculous. Uh, Trey Young, I'm just going to throw him out there if Atlanta tries to make him open. DeJounte Murray from Atlanta, if they're trying to move one of those point guards and split that backcourt mm. up, it's just a it's just a name out there. Mm. Um, can I throw one other sort of uh, like uh, double prizes kind of package at you? What if you call the Washington Wizards in that new front office and say, we want Bradley Beal. But we also want Kristaps Porzingis. I uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I like the idea. I've seen some people bandied about. Um, I, I just have concerns uh, about their durability. I mean, you just you kind of argued that Miami is an injury riddled team, and and now you're looking to acquire two injury riddled stars, um, especially Porzingis. Yeah, and Porzingis, you know. At seven four, and given the history of foot injury and everything else, like that, that's going to be recurring. And I just don't know. He was a little bit healthier this past season, but I agree with you; it is a concern. Yeah, I, I'm a little surprised that you're as strong an advocate for Damian Lillard. I mean, Lillard is Lillard, and and there's no denying that. But again, given his injury history, can you count on him as your big swing, and and hope that he's going to be healthy in the postseason? Because that um, hasn't been the case for a while. Well, this was sort of a fake long-term injury this last year because Portland was tanking. I guess. And then the la- and the year before was the abdominal injury, but when he came back this year, he looked fine. It did not look like that was lingering whatsoever. So um, he almost made one of the all-NBA teams despite barely playing because 
the Trailblazers were tanking. Um, I'm not concerned about Damian Lillard. No, I think he's tough as nails. The other thing too is like, look, if the perfect like 100% healthy player who is 27 years old was available, yeah, go <laughs> after that guy. But it's not, and this is the only summer you have. And this seems to be like if the Portland Trailblazers are going to finally part ways with Damian Lillard, this is probably the summer they're going to do it. So if he's available, then yeah, I go all in for him. He's also the perfect player, the perfect player next to Bam and Jimmy Butler. There is not a player that I can think, like you can't build a player in a lab better than Damian Lillard. He has got Steph Curry range. He has got a killer instinct. He wants to win. He would space the floor. You could just run pick and roll with him and Damian Lillard or, or him and him and Bam out of bio and have Jimmy Butler cutting. Like it would be the perfect basketball fit. It would be basketball Nirvana. It would be it would be Bam out of bio. It would be Draymond to Steph would be Bam out of bio to Damian Lillard. Like that's what it would be. We yeah. just saw it with Jokic and Jamal Murray. I don't want to talk about that, but yeah, I, I think it uh, it would be a lot of fun. It would be it a would lot be. of fun. I just, I, I just, I, I cannot wrap my mind around that possibility. It just seems so unlikely. And look, if there's, why not us, right? That's been the mantra during the postseason. I suppose it could apply to the front office as well. Maybe they feel like they can get it done, and if that's the case, I love the flirtation via the podcast from Dame. I, I understand there is a pre-existing relationship between him and Bam. Bam's my dog. Yeah, Jimmy, etc. I know that there's a connection that makes sense on a lot of levels, and yet it just seems so damn unlikely that I cannot, I cannot wrap my mind around just yet. Now, if, if talks are intensi of, intensifying, I, I'm more than willing to engage in that. The Heat, as of Tuesday morning, were the betting favorites to land Damian Lillard if he's not playing for Portland next year. So I'm I don't know if that means anything, pick, right? But aren't they looking to trade their pick for Brandon Ooh. Ingram, and if that's the Portland? I mean, that seems like the latest scuttle is that he's either going to New Orleans. Like, New Orleans is looking to add some kind of, you know, Scoot Henderson specifically. Yes. So, if that's the case, they're going to send a proven player over to Portland that would help them win now. Maybe they don't move Dame at all. Is that, that That would be the idea. That's what Damian Lillard is waiting to see before he basically asks for a trade, according to basically everything that he's been saying, right? And so, um, I don't know. I don't know that the... I don't know that Portland is going to do that. I don't know that New Orleans is going to do that. If that's the scuttle out there, I mean, we'll see. I think this is all very much. I'm not sitting here predicting anything. I'm just saying if you're if if I'm a, if I'm the Miami Heat and I'm putting together my wish list, my big board of mm -hmm. trade targets, Lillard is at the very top, and he's on a tier by himself. Like it's Lillard, and we exhaust the Lillard option until we know that it's happening or it's not happening, and then once we have clarity on that. Then we start moving down the rest and whether or not that's Bradley Beal, Pascal Siakam, Trey Young, like whatever, right? Chris Paul, like whatever. Then you start getting to those other options. But it, Bradley Beal, man, or I'm sorry, Damian Lillard, that's my very, very top option. And I got to figure, I got to get clarity on that situation before I do anything else, before I move off of that. Would you agree on that? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I... Yes and, and no. Like I'm wondering, like in, in Joel and B, like if, if Philadelphia goes through some substantial change mm. there and they look to trade him, like um, would you move Bam for Joel and B? Assuming you can keep Tyler and then maybe make another move for I don't know X player. I, I, again, I don't even know I who don't that know. player would be. I don't. I don't know that I do that if I'm Miami. Just like you would have to give up so much for Joel and B, and I don't know that there's a way. Like you, if if you gave up all the stuff for Joel Embiid, you still are built around a center and a wing 
and you kind of uh, Joel Embiid could space the floor a little bit more than Bam Adebayo, but nobody closes out on Joel Embiid from three point range. He's not really a floor spacer, even though he kind of thinks he is. But and Joel Embiid's awesome. He just won the MVP. He's 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 one of the best six players in the NBA right now. Decent. So yeah. it's hard to say no, but I still think that you just have inherent flaws in your roster if you if you have to flip your center for another center. Like I I don't know that that. To me, I'd be looking to add to Bam and Jimmy, and I don't think that that's an option with Joel Embiid. Uh, I know this is ridiculously unlikely, but if there's a name that I'm going to put over Damian Lillard, it's uh, Luka Doncic, and I think a lot of that hinges on what happens oh. with Kyrie Irving and his ability to stay with that team. And if that's that was the big move last season, it kind of backfired, it blew up in their faces collectively. And if he's just like, you know what, I'm frustrated, I, I, this isn't going to work. You can't make this roster any better. This summer, I, I want out. I request a trade. I mean, I know there's no way that Mark Cuban is ever going to be entertaining. You're talking about pre-existing relationships. Yeah. yeah. I mean, although they've made trades in the past, it, it has happened. Not for stars. Yeah. I, I can't just see, like, yeah. I, I, that would be like like sending multiple limbs via FedEx to the Miami's front office. I just don't <laughs> see it happening. I, I, but that is, though, that is the name. That is the name. It's a, a great name. It's a great name. <laughs> He is the guard. He is the guy who could shoot you into the team. I mean, like that's that's it. That, that would be it. A, a, a trio of Luca, Jimmy, and Pam might be the only trio better than Dave Lillard. Uh, we ended on a bang. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Every day, as we are still here every day throughout the offseason, talking about the draft, free agency, trades, and more. So subscribe for all the latest on the Miami Heat. Those were five burning questions. What we just did there was set the table for the rest of the offseason. We covered the CBA, the salary cap ramifications, the free agents that the Miami Heat have to make decisions on, the stars that could be at the top of their big board, and all these things. This is what is basically at stake for the Miami Heat, and we're going to be covering it all for you over the next couple of months. So hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Follow us on your favorite podcast app. And, David, thanks for joining me. You got it, Wes.